today on The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Is there somebody out there who's so hurt, abused, shamed? Man, you say, I, I just, I don't see how I can forgive this person. He's saying, if you're going to be forgiven by God, you better be in the forgiving business as God is in the forgiving business. It means we forgive people when they don't even ask for our forgiveness. So, well, they didn't ask. Oh, no, we forgive unilaterally. Let go of the rope. The truth is, real forgiveness is available to everyone who asks. Welcome to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Today, Dr. Young shares a message about how you can be united forever with God through the forgiveness that's yours through Jesus Christ. So stay right there. Dr. Young shares his message, Forgiveness, next on The Winning Walk. Now more of Dr. Ed Young's message, Forgiveness. We've got no more problems in our world today than perhaps any other time in the history of humanity. We see revolution taking place virtually in every country in the Middle East. We see unrest in Africa, Central and South America. We see our own overwhelming economic challenges moral challenges in America and in Europe. Wouldn't it be something as we're looking for all of these answers with the brilliance of humanity, if people were simply introduced to Jesus Christ in Libya, Saudi Arabia, Israel, Canada, Europe, you name it, and given the operation manual, it says, this is how you live. What would happen? What would happen? That's our calling as members of the family of God. It all begins with learning how to pray, really. The apostles saw that when Jesus prayed, power came into his life. Supernatural power, amazing things in words and in miracles. And, and they watched him and they said, Lord, we want some of that. Teach us to pray like that. And Jesus gave to those followers as he has given to us his prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Notice how it begins. It's how all prayer must begin. Transcendence. We have to understand a little bit with whom we are speaking, with whom we are dealing with whom we are listening to, our Father, Abba, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It starts with reverencing the name of God. Be careful how we 
Use God in humorous ways, his name. Be careful how we profane his name. Prayer begins with an awesome reverence toward our Father who art in heaven. And then we pray, hallowed, separate, special be thy name. Holy is thy name. Then we ask, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth it is in heaven. We're saying the kingdom will come. When does the kingdom of God come? The kingdom of God exists when God is king and Jesus is Lord. Wherever that is, there's the kingdom. Jesus is Lord, there's the kingdom of God. The king is in control, there's the kingdom of God. And we're praying that the kingdom of heaven will become the kingdom of this earth. And the affairs of this earth would be administered the way the affairs of heaven are administered. That is a big supernatural out of this world prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then notice how practical the prayer gets. We could say, well, Christianity is so otherworldly. It is, but yet it is also of this world. Give us this day our daily bread. You can't live without bread, physical needs. Give us this day the physical nourishment that we need. And then after we ask to give bread, we ask for forgiveness. Forgive us. Forgive us. Give, forgive, proper order. We have bread for this life. We have spiritual bread so we'd experience forgiveness. It's physical and spiritual that we pray for. And what about this word forgiveness? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's Matthew 6. That's our verse today. Let's say it together. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If you can, kneel. If you can't, just bow your head with me for a moment, please. Before we pray, ask the Holy Spirit right now to bring to your mind anyone that you haven't forgiven, any grudge that you have, any bitterness towards someone you've entertained, any desire for revenge, any idea that they will get what they deserve? Does any names come to your mind? Some of it may go back through the years. Abuse. They embarrassed me. They exploited me. They used me. Any names come to your mind? Names of individuals you haven't really, truly forgiven. Parents, brother, sister, friends, anyone, any name come to your mind? 
Hold on to that name. Keep it in the front of your mind. As we study this verse together. Father, I pray that you will speak and let me get out of the way as you do a healing work in the hearts and lives of many of us gathered here. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Forgiveness. That's a big word, isn't it? Forgiveness. Forgiveness has about it a mystery. And I think we all wonder at times, has God really forgiven me? <laughs> I mean, all of these times I've gone back over and over, has he really, does he keep on forgiving me? Am I forgiven? And then we wonder, have, have I really forgiven other people? Have I forgiven them? Have I let them off the hook? And then have people forgiven me? So forgiveness is a big, mysterious word. So we say, forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses. And, and some translation said, forgive us of our wrongs. I like it. Forgive us of our sins. I got that one. And you can do a linguistic study of the word for sin or trespasses or debts in the Bible. There's a lot of words. It means to miss the mark. It means to come up short. It means to step over the line. It means to get out of the path. It means to do your own thing. It means to rebel. There's a lot of word and nuances of the word sin and debts and trespasses and wrongs all the way through the scripture. But we worry about the Lord's prayer. We say, you know, in some churches, they say debts. Other churches, they say trespasses. What's that all about? I like one simple explanation I read. He said it's the difference between the Scotchman and the Englishman. He said that if you go to a Scottish Presbyterian church, they say, forgive us our debts. Scotchmen are in the money and debt and being skin flints and cheap, and so they're worried about being in debt, so they use the word debt. Go to English church, Church of England, Episcopal Church, they say, forgive us our trespasses. The English are interested in property, in lines. And man, when you trespass, you go over that line. So the difference in being an Englishman and a Scotchman, debts and trespasses, I like to use the word sin. Forgive us our sin. Now, somebody might say, why do we have to pray that if we're a Christian? This is a believer's prayer. So I want us to see two simple, basic things that every Jesus follower needs to have nailed down in their life. A lot of things you can forget and, and wonder about. You'll need this. You need to know how to get right with God, and you need to know how to stay right with God. Isn't that it? Can't get more basic than that. How do you get right with God? You need three words. Every person, if you don't have these words, write it down in your Bible. Uh, you use lipstick, a pen, pencil, mascara, write it down. We need these three words the rest of our lives if we're Jesus followers. First of all, we need to get right with God. We need to stay right with God. What are those words? 
conviction. We become a Christian when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. I have stepped over the line. I have fumbled. I have failed. I have struck out. I have lied. I have deceived. Conviction of sin is where it all starts. And the Holy Spirit does that. I can dangle everybody here over the fires of hell for 30 minutes. Say, ooh, boy, I'm glad to get out of there. But it is the Holy Spirit that brings conviction in my life and your life. That's the first step of being a Christian. Conviction, got to have that word. Then there is confession. We're convicted of sin, we confess sin. Don't say, forgive me of my many sins. Spell it out. Be specific. Be specific. Confession of sin. And then what do we do? We repent. We turn away from all known sin. We move in the opposite direction. Now, this is how we become a Christian. Those three words, you have to have them to get right with God. Conviction, the Holy Spirit does it. Confession. And then we repent and we receive Christ. Bang, we're in the family of God. This, in one sense, is a judicial process. God is a holy God. He cannot tolerate Debts, trespasses, wrongs, and sins, they have to be dealt with. You see, God doesn't leave any loose ends out there. So it has to be dealt with. We know that Jesus Christ came on the cross. He took all that I owe. He took every time I had stepped over the line. He took all of my sins and all of yours, and he died for us. He paid the price. He is a substitute for you in a court of law before Almighty God. He died on your behalf. He took the judgment that you and I deserve upon himself. This is what happens. This is how we get right with God. Those three words. Let me explain it in a very simple way. There was a family walking through the plains of Georgia. Grass about this high, taking a stroll, large, large valley. And they looked behind them and they saw a brush fire had started. And the wind was pushing that fire rapidly in their direction. There was no way they could escape. Fire was moving in, nowhere to run, flames everywhere. But the father, who was an outdoorsman, took a match and lighted a fire where the family was. And they established a burned out place. And they stepped back. The fire was coming. And this place burned out. So after the grass here was burned, they got his family in the middle of that burned out place. And when the fire was moving rapidly for them, it just went around them. There was nothing to burn. They were safe. It went over them. They were not harmed or singed in any way because there was nothing to burn. The fire moved over them. This is what happens on the cross. We stand in judgment for our sin. Jesus has already paid the price. There's no double jeopardy there. And so we have to stay in that burned out place with Christ at the cross. And the judgment passes over us because there's nothing for you and for me to be judged about because Jesus has paid the price. He has paid it all.
See? We're in that burned out place. This is how we get right with God. You got to have those three words, conviction, confession, repentance. Now, how do you stay right with God? Well, I don't know about you, but since I became a Christian, I'm not sinned anymore. You know, I've just, I've been perfect. It's just been amazing to observe. That's not quite the way it is, is it? So what do you do about sin in the life of Christian? You need those same three words to stay right with God. Conviction of sin, the Holy Spirit does that. Confession of sin and repentance from sin. To get right, there's where we go. To stay right, there's where we go. And let's talk about confession. You know our problem with confession? Our problem is the little weak word, but. Let me, let me tell you, we don't own our sin. This is how we confess. Lord, forgive me for losing my temper. I know I'm wrong, but everybody in my family has a temper. Lord, forgive me for those lustful thoughts, but you made me like this. Lord, forgive me for wanting the approval of people more than I want your approval, but isn't most everybody like that? You see, we, we put these little if, ands, or buts in there. Listen, confession is taking ownership of sin. I made the choice. I stepped out of bounds. I went in that direction. I am wrong. Don't put any defense up. Confess that sin. By the way, how long has it been since you've confessed a sin, something that you should have done and you didn't do? You know, we don't confess. Lord, I, you know, I, Lord, I forgive me because I didn't. Oh, forgive me, Lord, because I did. But evidently, that's a big deal because in Matthew 25, Jesus is there, the sheep and the goats, and he says, hey, where were you when I was naked? You weren't there. Well, I need clothes. Where were you when I was in prison? Where were you when I was broken? Where were you when I was hungry? Where was you when I have all these problems? And we say, Lord, we didn't know. We didn't see. We didn't know. He said, you didn't open your eyes. The little ones, the people around you, you should have known. What happens to us in this sense of omission, what we admit? Why do we miss things? We work with people. We live with people. And suddenly... Their lives move out in a disastrous way. They go into depression. Uh, they, they, they go into all, have all kinds of problems that just explode their lives. And you know what we say? You know, I see them all the time and I didn't know. That's the excuse we give. Why do we not pick up on this? It's because we don't really love folks. When you love something or someone, you always have understanding. A mother loves her children. She understands them because she's read all the books on child psychology. No, because she loves. If you love botany, you're going to understand botany. Whatever we love, we understand. 
And therefore, because we're not sensitive, we do not love, we do not see, we do not feel, oh, we love, well, they're in trouble, I'm going to help them. Before they're in trouble, if we love, we understand, and then we can move in ahead of time. So we pray for sins of omission, what we do not do. We confess that as well as sins of commission. And we pray, I pray, Lord, give me quick eyes to see. Isn't that what we need? Quick eyes of love to see. Love has understanding. It's just built in. So, how do you get right with God? Three words. Conviction. Holy Spirit does that. Confession. Repentance. How do you stay right with God when we fumble and step over the line as Christians? Same three words. You got to have those words built in your life, your vocabulary, your Christian experience. If you're going to get right, yes, and if you're going to stay right. Now, look at the second part of this. Forgive us our sins, and then look at this. As we forgive those who sin against us. By the way, this is the most important part of the Lord's Prayer. If we take the Lord's Prayer, we'd write on the screen, it is this verse that ought to blink. Boom, boom, boom. It ought to be large print. It ought to be emphasized. It's the most important part. It is the heart of the prayer. You say, well, how do you know that? It's because it's the only part of the prayer after the prayer was completed, Jesus, in verse 13 and 14, he explains this. He underscores it again. He says, I don't want you to miss that. He's saying, if you're going to be forgiven by God, you'd better be in the forgiving business as God is in the forgiving business. Years ago, the families moved away, over 10 years ago. There's a family in our church, father, mother, cute little girl, little guy. The girl was 13. The boy was about seven. The mother went to pick them up at school. As they were going home, they stopped in front of the house. The little girl, 13-year-old girl, got out and went to the mailbox. She opened the mailbox, and she found in there a note, a note that was meant for her mother but the 13-year-old girl picked up the note. It was a note from her father's mistress saying to the mother, he loves me, he doesn't love you, go ahead and get a divorce, et cetera, et cetera. She was, he was, she was trying to speed up the process. And this 13-year-old girl read that note. Needless to say, she was devastated. Needless to say, her mother was devastated. Need to say, that little home just exploded in many, many directions. But the 13-year-old girl, it hit her perhaps harder than anybody else because she was her daddy's girl. And she would come to the church and stay hours. She would spend the night with members of our staff. She just couldn't go home while they were going through all this process. And this is what she said. You'll never forget it. She said, how can I forgive my daddy? She said, how can I forgive him? 
And then she would say, even if I knew how to forgive him, I don't want to forgive him. Can you identify with that? Is there somebody out there who's so hurt, abused, shamed? Man, you say, I, I just, I don't see how I can forgive this person. But even if I knew how, I really don't want to forgive this person. Let me tell you where forgiveness starts. We have to, first of all, forgive unilaterally. What does that mean? It means we forgive people when they don't even ask for our forgiveness. So, well, they didn't ask. Oh, no, we forgive unilaterally. Sometimes we forgive when they don't ask because it's such a trivial thing. It's an irritant to us. Just go ahead and forgive them. Sometimes they're such jerks. They're not worth fooling with. They're not worth messing up your life. Just go ahead and forgive them. You say, well, is there a biblical background for this? Unilateral forgiveness? Absolutely. Jesus on the cross, those who executed him, they weren't asking for be forgiven, but Jesus just unilaterally said, you know, I forgive you. Stephen being stoned, he looked up and said, Father, forgive them. They weren't asking for forgiveness, but he said, Father, forgive them. I forgive them. That's unilateral forgiveness. We need to practice that. Just go ahead and forgive. Some people are still holding a, a grudge against a father who abused them. Well, your father's been dead for six years. He's not going to come back and say, oh, I want you to forgive me. Just unilaterally forgive them. Get it out of the way. Forgive them. And when we unilaterally forgive, you know what we do? We stop an echo. An echo. We go out and we lash at someone in retribution, and they lash, and they lash, and it goes on and on and on. Look at the Islamic faith, the, the Shiites and, and the Sunnis. They hate each other. They, they try to kill each other. I don't know. Same book. But they're in the killing business. They're in the hating business. My goodness. I, I can't understand that. And a lot of religions, a lot of people, a lot of families, a lot of nations, they just go on hating and hating and generation, and they did this, and they did this, and they caused this, and it goes on and on and on and on. It just echoes and builds. It happens with us and individuals and families every time we see them. That echo goes on and on, and it's passed on and on, generation after generation, nation against nation, people against people, ideology against the echo. So somewhere, let me tell you how an echo works. Um, let's take the word, watch this, how it reverberates. The word revenge. 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 Boy. It just goes. My hatred towards you. It just keeps on going. But we unilaterally forgive. Look what happens. The echo changes and we take the word like, forgive. Look what happens. It changes the whole menu, the whole genre. Unilateral forgiveness. We have to practice it. It's a choice. It's a decision. We forgive. And then there's 
relational forgiveness. Sometimes we just, like that 13-year-old girl, I don't want to forgive. We sort of enjoy having that hatred. We enjoy saying, boy, I hope God will soon come in and zap them. You know, when, when, when I just hope, you know, anything bad's going to happen, boy, the way they treated me, look what's happened to me. And, and so there's a relational. And so we keep on, we pulling on the same thing, the same revenge, the same hatred, the, the, the same ideas. We want to bring them down. We just can't forgive. It's like, if this is a big bell tower here, there's a bell up there and, and we have a rope and we pull that rope. Mm. Bong, bong, and we keep pulling on that revenge. Bong, I remember what you did. Bong, I remember what you said. Bong, I remember how you abused me. Bong, I remember how you embarrassed me. Bong, and we keep on pulling on that rope and pulling on that rope. Let me tell you something. Let go of the rope. Forgive. Let go of the rope. Are you going to let that person control you and scar you and keep you captive to that event or that misdeed all the rest of your life? My goodness. How absurd can that be? Let go of the rope. Now, when you let go of the rope, it may bong a little bit, you know, you've been ringing that bell of revenge a long time, bong, bong, but gradually it'll fade out, bong, until you won't hear it anymore. The pain may still be there, but you've let go of the rope. You've let go of the rope. You're forgiven. You know what this verse is really saying? Jesus is saying in this verse, you have received the grace of God. Therefore, now that you have received it, the grace of God must go through you and offer grace to others. If you receive grace, you have to give grace. That's the principle. You can't receive grace and just bottle it up, say, I'm not going to forgive, I'm not going to forget. No, you have to, it has to pass through you. It has to pass through you to others. It has to pass through you to those you haven't forgiven. Otherwise, they're going to keep you captive for the rest of your life. As God has set you free in Christ, we are to set others free. It's a supernatural thing. I can't do it in my own volition. But he enables us to forgive when we're reminded how much we've been forgiven. How do we forgive? We forgive the way we have been forgiven. I don't want to forgive. Oh, no, we want to forgive because we have been greatly forgiven. Remember Matthew 18, great little chapter. Peter, I like Peter. He's such a, he's so obvious. You know, he, he tries to be super pious. You just see right through him, just like we see through one another. So Pete one day says to Jesus, Jesus, I can imagine you had a little whine. Jesus, how many times do we forgive someone? Seven times? Now, the rabbi said you forgive people three times, so Pete just doubled it and added one. 
Oh, Jesus, we're so pious. How many times do I forgive people? Seven times. Jesus said, look, you forgive people 70 times seven, 490 times. What? What was Jesus saying to Peter? Peter, quit counting. You're not an accountant. Somebody said, oh, you did this to me, and you did this to me, and boy, I did this to you. We're not in the accounting business. We've been forgiven. We're in the forgiving business. We've been given grace. We're in the grace business. And then following this, Jesus told a tremendous parable, a tremendous story. He said once there was a king, and a man owed him $12 million. Pretty good debt. I thought about that. How in the world could a servant owe $12 million? Only way I could figure it, he stole it from the king because the king is the only one who would have $12 million. But anyway, so the king said, hey, pay me. The guy says, can't do it. Give me time. The king says, take this guy and his family, sell all of his property, put him in jail till he can pay me back. I never understand how someone will make money in jail to pay back a debt. But anyway, I'm not good at accounting. And so the man had said, Lord, have compassion on me. Forgive me. Forgive me of this debt. And the king saw his family, had compassion, and forgave him of a $12 million debt. Hmm. Now the man goes out. One of his friends, another servant, owed him $20,000. He said, hey, pay me the twenty. dollars grand that you owe me. God says, I can't do it. Give me time. He said, take him and put him in jail. Take his family. Man, stay there until you pay me back. And the man says, have compassion. Same thing he asked for for the king. But he wouldn't give compassion to the servant. He said, no deal. It's been long enough. Put him in jail. Now his friends went and told the king what this ungrateful servant had done and said, you know what he did? This guy, you just forgave him 12 million he wouldn't even give time for his friend to pay him back $20,000. He's thrown him in jail. And the king, representing God, was indignant. He said, go and get that ungrateful rascal, Young's translation, <laughs> and throw him in jail until he pays the debt. Now, I want you to watch this. This is tricky. Did the man... Owe the king $12 million? Oh, no, no, no. The king had already forgiven the $12 million. But he's in jail until he pays the debt. What did he owe? The debt that he owed was the forgiveness he had received. He had to give that forgiveness to others, and that he did not do. That's the debt he owed, not the $12 million. That's the way. It's forgiven. It's a debt of forgiving others. Ladies and gentlemen, whatever we do today, that name that came to your mind as we prayed, unilaterally forgive them. Let go of the rope. <laughs> Set them free so you can be free. So grace can flow to you and to me. We can be forgiven. Therefore, we can be in the forgiving business to others.
So to sum up everything this passage is teaching us in this prayer of Jesus, I'm going to sum it up with a profound theological statement. You ready? Let go of the rope. Dr. Ed Young, thank you for your message today, Dr. Young. It's great to have you here to talk about it. What would you say to someone who doesn't know how in the world they'd ever forgive someone for something they did to them? Well, first of all, we have to realize that all of us need to be forgiven. We are forgiven by our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. The provision for that was provided on the cross. He took our place. He took our sins for us that we deserve to be penalized for, and forgiveness came. He takes our place. Therefore, to whom much is forgiven, we have much to forgive. And therefore, as we forgive others, we will be forgiven. And a lot of people, let's be honest about it, we are not forgiven and we do not feel forgiven because we haven't forgiven other people. Forgiveness starts with receiving the forgiveness of God in Christ, and then it continues as we are people who forgive people. Now, you say, do you forgive just unilaterally? You know, I I forgive you, I forgive you. No, I, I think there needs to be a response when there's been an offense. Someone needs to say, will you forgive me? But many times in disagreements, uh, we'll have just a little part from our perspective of the problem, and they'll have 95% of the part. Well, deal with your 5%. Go to that person and say, I want your forgiveness for, and fill in the blank. And you'll be amazed how many times they'll say, well, you know, I really need to receive your forgiveness. So we have been forgiven. Therefore, we are in the forgiving business And that's one of the marks of being a Jesus follower. Again, thank you, Dr. Young. You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Winning Walk is a listener-supported ministry. Your prayers and financial support allow us to bring proven truth to listeners around the world. Connect with us at winningwalk.org. That's winningwalk.org.